Welcome to Under the Rug at Work, where I shine light on problems that are normally swept under the rug. Today, I'm chatting with Neville about working remotely. Neville's the CEO and founder of Element Environment, which is a full-service environmental consultancy specialising in social impact assessment, planning, management, and communications. Thanks for joining me, Neville. Hi, Nicole. Thanks a lot for having me. You're welcome. Now, working remotely is something that we've all had to do over the last couple of years, and it shouldn't be something that's swept under the rug, but we are seeing old habits creep back in. Now, back before COVID, I remember if you wanted to work from home, it was a full process and it wasn't always approved. Actually, most of the time it wasn't approved. But now a lot of organisations are encouraging or requiring people to come back into the office and some of them full time. But you're different, Neville. Element has never had a physical office. Why did you decide not to have an office when you started Element? Yeah, it's an interesting one, Nicole, and Element's birth goes back to 2013, which is 10 years ago. So seven years before this new way of working came about with COVID. And I was commuting in and out of the city to a, an office where I was spending 15 hours a week on a bus. That's two full working days sitting on a bus um, and being pretty much a weekend husband and father, which I said, I, I don't want to do anymore. So I did have discussions with a company I was working at at the time and said, can we have a more flexible working arrangement? But that flexible working arrangement really was me getting up at five in the morning, getting to work at six and leaving at three, three thirty to beat the traffic. And everyone sort of staring at me as I walked out the door thinking he's getting two hours off, not knowing that I'd been in the office for two and a half hours already. Yeah. And yeah, just uh, feeling awkward about it and unsupported. Mm. So the decision I made was get out of the industry and live in a farm or change the way we work. And I love the environmental consulting space, the social consulting space. And I decided, well, let's set up a business that's truly flexible mm -hmm. and doesn't have offices so that people don't have to go to a place at a certain time. Mm -hmm. Get the right people to work with us that you trust 100% and then give them the freedom and the support to work, you know, when, where and how they want and really, really trust them and then see what happens. And that's what we did. Yeah, that that takes me back. Um, <laughs> I remember wor working for an organisation that reiterated on multiple occasions that we work nine to five with an hour for lunch. And I'm like, well, I'd like to leave a little early so I can beat the, the traffic. And I had yeah. to jump on a train. And if you didn't, if you got the peak hour train, you would be standing up for 45 minutes until you got home. So it was just those little bits of flexibility um, but yeah, that one organization, which is similar to quite a few that I've worked for, were very much, no, you must be in the office. If we can't see you, you mustn't be working. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which when Not you look at the world now, it seems a bit crazy. However, as we were talking about, it, it's, it seems like it's starting to, to flip that way. So can you share what the benefits are that you found um, with your team working remotely? Yeah, I, I just think that we're getting a team that is more engaged, that um, are able to work sort of during the day in the cycles that meet their family life and their sort of personal 
um, uh, demands and that they then, when they do work, it's either within their own sort of biorhythms of the day when they're the most focused or when um, they want to work, which we feel we get more out of them during in, with that approach. You know, some people have got kids they got to drop off at school and they got to come back from that and then they manage to put in a targeted three, four, five hours and they have a, you know, they'll have a lunch break and then they go and pick kids back up, but they might do an hour at night or they might wake up early in the morning. So, um, yeah, for us, it's the, the, the benefits are that if people feel that the company is flexible with them to allow them to get a better balance, then mm. we get the rewards from that. And that, that means that they're able to also spend time doing things um, for their physical health and mental health, which um, our core valued element is, is well-being. Mm. And um, to get that, it's um, to have a full balance. And you can't get that by, to me, having a rigid day where you always, day after day, you start at nine and end at five. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm the, I'm the same. Like, I like to go with the energy flow. And sometimes you just feel terrible in the morning and you need to have a slower start. And sometimes, you know, I'm up with the sun and I'm ready to go at seven o'clock. So being able to work flexibly, I think, is... Uh, is really the way you need to go. But have you found any issues with people um, working remotely or not having that physical office? Um, I have found, well, I suppose if I go back, when we first started promoting this type of work, um, no one else was really doing it. And COVID was long before COVID. And we actually found that people didn't really want to um, always work from home. They were a bit um, scared of it. Some people thought they were going to be isolated. They um, they thought they'd get distracted working from home. Mm -hmm. um, and then COVID came and everyone was forced to work from home and they suddenly realized how much they loved it. And now um, we our differentiator was sort of taken away from us slightly. But mm -hmm. as you say, there's this trend back to the office mm -hmm. and um, you now seeing companies um, to start forcing their team to do that and, and, and why they're doing that. Um, so we had an issue with actually attracting talent originally. That was the challenge for us because they saw it as a negative to work from home. Now the opposite's happening. Yeah. Companies are forcing their teams back and now we're actually standing out more because we're staying the same as we have from day one and we're encouraging a flexible working arrangement. Mm. So... Um, People are seeking us out. We've got a bigger talent pool now to um, use to, you know, to to target because that no one's sort of anti the work from home model anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I suppose the junior um, team, so probably graduates up to um, maybe when people have kids in that, um, they often want to have a more social environment. So they like to be rubbing shoulders with their peers. I'm going to drinks after work and those sort of things. And by not having an office space, that is a, a challenge, you know, to do those sort of things. We can talk a bit more later about what we do to foster that engagement and that collaboration and that sort of social um, team building. Mm -hmm. But that's, I'd say, one of the challenges that you've got with a work from home model is, is attracting and retaining young um, people that possibly want a far more a social setting at work mm. after work yeah and, and, and possibly possibly it might be different um in some of us as winter as well i know that 
not having to do the travel in winter and uh, with the, you know, the darkness coming so much earlier, it's um, much better to be at home and in the warmth. But in summer, we are more active and we do want to, you know, go out when there's daylight after work. So, yeah, yeah that's just something that comes to mind for me. Yeah. Um, but why do you think that there is this push for people to come back into the office? Yeah, my personal view, it's it's all about trust. So when we started Element, we said, if we're going to really embrace a 100% flexible working model, you've got to trust people first and then let them prove to you that you don't trust them, not the other way around. Yeah. So it's a difficult concept because trust is built up by various things. And there's a great book out there now by Stephen Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, author, his son, Stephen R. Covey, has written an amazing book called The Speed of Trust. And it's all about what are the things that make us trust others and then how do you increase people's trust in yourself? Um, but if you want to really embrace a model like this, you've actually got to trust people and they're going to improve you wrong. Mm. And but you've got to truly trust them. If you're going to take them on and say, I trust you, but you're micromanaging, you're watching them through analytics, computer analytics to see when are they online, when are they not online. You've got to set the guidelines and you've got to set, you know, what our KPIs as a business, what our values in that are, and then let people go and let's see if they do it. And if you hire the right people with the right personalities, with the right values that are aligned with your company, then that should be fine. But there will sometimes be people that um, break that trust and then they're probably not the people to be in your business, you know, and um, you've got to be comfortable with that. And I think that's the difference is, the company's forcing others back. I don't think they truly trust their people. And um, yeah, there might be other drivers with some of them. Some of them might have office space in the city and they're trying to justify their rent. Um, if they survive for two years through COVID, um, is that really a reason? Mm. I'd probably say not. Um, a lot of them now are saying they need people next to each other for proper collaboration. So I'm hearing that from owners of a lot of companies, major tech companies globally to smaller businesses. You cannot properly collaborate and have team um, culture if you work from a remote working model. They say you can't do that, and that's why they're coming. They they asking their people to come back. I obviously disagree with that, but. <laughs> Well, I challenge that as well because there's been a lot of research and I know personally for myself when I work in an office, they're mostly open plan and you hear the chatter, which is great. You you get the hallway um, conversations, but you'd never get any peace and quiet. So I found, you know, the, a lot of the work that I was doing to, to churn through the jobs was happening on the train when I had my headset on. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Or I'd have to go into a meeting room just to get that peace and quiet to to work through some of the um the big ticket items that I was doing. So yeah, there's kind of two sides to that coin. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's something magic that happens when you face to face with people. We are social beings, we connect not just through our words, but through our body language, and mm. and um you can't do everything through a computer, through Teams, through Zoom. You need to be together in the flesh for certain things to happen. So yes, you can get some of those happening faster when you're in an office space all the time, but there are a lot of things that forcing people to commute every day to being in an office space, the inefficiencies, the lack of productivity and that that happens. 
um, a lot of those have a, quite a big effect on how much we can get through, which then has an effect on our stress, which mm. then has an effect on our mental health. Yeah. And also the amount of time we got, if we're spending two, three hours a day commuting, what have we got left to spend with family, with friends and on our sort of physical activities and stuff like that. So I think you really got to balance them. And if you're going to decide to have a remote working model, then you've got to say, what are the initiatives you can do to compensate for those things that you can't do as much in the flesh? And there's lots of different things that can help that. But that is one of the challenges of a remote working model. You don't have as much of that, what we call osmosis, mm. the stuff that happens by people being in your presence in a physical form and seeing how you do things, what you say, your body language and learning from that. And that's the thing that you've got to compensate for by other things. Mm. So what are some of those tips that you have when it comes to leading remote teams and working flexibly? I mean, one thing we decided in the beginning that we would get together as an entire team every quarter for a full day and do something really meaningful. So we do that now um, every quarter. So every three months, an entire day is taken out of the office by the whole company. Now, um, that's quite an investment in time and people. It's, it's actually more of an investment than people who work from an office-based environment do. Most of them will have probably a Christmas party, which is quite often on a Friday afternoon or on a Saturday sometimes, um, or they might sometimes have one strategy session. Uh, we involve the whole company in two full strategy days a year, which is off-site at some, well, we don't have a site. It's just somewhere else outside of their homes. And then we um, get together twice for a full day of just having fun and team building. We actually got an awesome day planned in two weeks' time where everyone from New South Wales and some of our and someone we just got in from Queensland, we're going to meet for the whole day and we're going to play wheelchair uh, basketball. We're going to have someone who uh, who actually um, captained the Australian rugby wheelchair team. They're going to talk to us, tell us a bit about, you know, their journey mm -hmm. of becoming a paraplegic and then becoming the captain of the Australian team. And then we're going to play wheelchair basketball to see how difficult it is to do that. And then do some other things as a team together for the day. Mm. So these are some, that's one of the things we do. Um, we have a daily huddle, we call it, every mm. single day. We yeah. have a 10-minute catch-up. The entire team is on the computer with their cameras on. And we have a chat about what is our focus for the day? What's holding us back? What are we grateful for? Um, and then we can see if there's someone who's a little bit off that day someone keeps on keeping their camera off or they're not just not seeming right and then we connect with them straight away after that to say hey is everything okay um so that's another thing that we do do um and that we've also got various other initiatives um a lot of training um we talk a, a lot about well-being in our training sessions our training sessions aren't just about productivity and getting the work out the door they're about hey what are the sort of key steps to having the best night's sleep or um, what about a plant-based diet? And so a lot of our team volunteers to present those. So we have what we call a Friday 20. It's a 20-minute session on a Friday where someone talks about something other than technical work about that will enhance your sort of well-being. All those little things. Um, and then we just got a, collab a, a culture of real collaboration. So when people are under the pressure, mm. we people just reach out to that person and say, hey, how can I help? And yeah. Uh, that sort of culture helps a lot when you're in a remote working environment. Yeah. 
And you're right, it is an investment to bring everyone together, but it would be nowhere near the amount of money that you'd be spending if you had a full-time office. So you're saving um, a hell of a lot there and, yeah, giving people that, that flexibility. Uh, and it, and I suppose it's different for the different organisations that are out there as well. If you've got a lot of client-faced meetings, then you're often out with clients, um, but then you wouldn't be in the office anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you take it, uh, it, it costs us probably 35000 bucks in lost productivity, no, let's call it lost time yes. and physical cost per one-day get-together, all mm-hmm. right? So that's $140,000 a year. But the value that that brings through collaboration, through commitment, through productivity, but then also retention mm-hmm. um, is, is far exceeds that value. You know, just to hire one person now costs $25,000 in recruitment fee per person. Mm. Uh, so four people in a year. And if you're growing quickly, you've got 10 people a year, that's, $250,000 just in recruitment fees. If you're not retaining good people because you're not doing these things, then uh, that money's going out the door. So to us, it's uh, it's, it's an easy decision. Yeah. Thanks for sharing those figures. I'm sure a lot of people um, wouldn't be aware of those, and I wasn't either. So that's, yeah, really interesting. Um, and I just want to say a huge thank you for joining me. This has been a really interesting conversation and I appreciate your time and I'm sure the people listening in will appreciate it as well because we're in the thick of it at the moment. So yeah, your tips and advice and how you experience it um, is, is really useful. So thank you for that. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks, Nicole. Uh, and if you want to learn more about Neville, you can connect with him on LinkedIn or visit elementenvironment.com.au. Thanks a lot. Thanks.